You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here. It is May 30th. It's a Saturday, but realtors never sleep on weekends. And so we're here with our daily podcast, except for Sundays. I need my Sundays. Today, we're going to cover some cool stuff. We're going to talk about there's a program, a rent assistance program available to low income households. And I want to talk about how tenants can apply. This could be the the salvation that landlords are looking for, the salvation that some tenants are looking for. So we're going to talk about this program as it's kind of being mentioned in the news. And then we're going to go into a little bit of the comments that I get. And I just actually posted our podcast on Reddit for the first time yesterday. And I'm getting a bunch of feedback and comments, a lot of opinions on Reddit. And so I want to share with you what the kind of contrasting views are and people in our market. Are we in a V or a W shaped recovery? Or maybe we're not. And what is the city of Toronto doing to protect housing? We're going to end with that and talk about some of the the plans that the city has and some of the things that they're doing because they are speeding up construction. Now, we are number one on Google Podcast for Toronto Real Estate. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for leaving comments and the good wishes. I get the occasional question, like, for example, Man Meet Gill said, can you please make a video showing your face? Trust me, you don't want to see my face before 8 a.m. <laughs> We're going to keep putting out these awesome content every morning, but please don't expect me to put lipstick on. This is this is not going to happen. But at least you're getting the most up-to-date info. If you want to see a pretty face, go look at somebody else. I mean, we do weekly content if you want to check out a video, And but who wants to keep up-to-date weekly these days? So we're going to jump right into talking about this Toronto Stories article called Toronto Offers a Rent Assistance Program Up to $4,000 for Low-Income Households. On Monday, June 1st, rent will be due for the third time since the COVID-19 pandemic hit Ontario. I'm sure many of you guys are paying attention to that date. For many, the day will come, rent will be paid, and life will go on. But for those who are out of work or have lost other sources of income as a result of the outbreak, they may not be able to pay their rent. So later on in the article, it talks about this rent assistance program that's very little known. It's actually not a new program, but it's not very well known and it's not well utilized really for low income households facing evictions due to the short term financial difficulties. So I'm a names guy, but I have nothing to say about this name. Nilgin Urkok the manager of Housing Stability Services for the City of Toronto acknowledged that while the program has been in operation since 2014 to 2015, not a lot of people know about it. ERCOC said the city wants, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but I'm gonna say it like that. ERCOC said the city wants more residents to know that the Toronto Rent Bank program exists. So check this out guys, if you wanna look into it, if you have a tenant or you yourself are low income and you think you might qualify, check out Toronto Rent Bank program. Go look it up. Let's not that this, I'm not going to keep mentioning this over and over again. So this is your shot, guys. If, if there's free money for you in, in, or, or low interest loans that you can take advantage of in order to not get evicted from your property and not have to change your kids' schools, maybe it's worth looking into. So the program is a joint initiative between Neighborhood Information Post and various partner agencies. I'm not going to list them, but there's different community services programs, and they've all put this thing together. And due to the pandemic, there was actually some enhancements that they made to the program. Check this out. Pre-COVID, the annual budget for this program was $1.4 million. 
But in response to the pandemic, the city actually added an additional $2 million. So it sits at $3.4 million that have been allocated by the city of Toronto. Again, I don't know where they're getting the spending, given that we're going to, I mean, just add it to your tax bill. But if the money is there, why not apply? In April, ERCOC said the rent bank, the rent bank processed 90 loan applications, 90 people, which was a spike since 2015, 90 loan applications. That sounds low. 90 people splitting $3.4 million. Uh, I don't know. There has been a slight decrease in applications in May. So here they are obviously talking to major news outlets, trying to get the word out. So if this is you guys, I think they're dying for people. Help a, help a city employee that works at the rent bank keep their job and process a loan for you. Because the federal government continued to release CERB payments. So they're saying that with the federal government's assistance, maybe the municipal support isn't needed. The municipality is doing what it can. And later in this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the other things that are happening in our city to try and manage the pandemic and try and keep housing afloat. Because there is there is a disconnect here. If we've only got 90 people, who have, and that's a spike, who have qualified for this assistance, for this program, and yet we've got potentially 50,000 people, most of which, by the way, are low income in Ontario. Now, they're not all in Toronto, but we've got a ton in Toronto, of course. Why are they not applying? Because I don't think they knew about it. So I would think, I like to think that with it being in the major news, that this is going to peak up and make these people actually work from home and process these loans. In order to be eligible, a resident must live in Toronto with legal status in Canada. They need to pay market rent for the rental unit covered by the Residential Tenancies Act. They need to fall within the low income household eligibility requirements. So again, it's based on income, as is pretty much every public service these days. And they, except for the CERB, and they are not currently in receipt of social assistance such as Ontario Works or Ontario Disability Support Program. So you can't already be collecting money from the province of Ontario, in other words, and can satisfy other Toronto Rent Bank Program requirements as required. So not everyone's going to qualify. They've got, and nor do I want everybody to qualify, by the way, but you might as well check out if you do. And if you're a landlord who is struggling to maybe have a low-income person paying their rent, might not be a bad idea to forward this podcast or forward an article or the website just to say, hey, check this out. Tell me what you think. I was thinking about you today. I was thinking, maybe you pay rent this month. <laughs> uh, so they have a new number. I'm not going to read it here. You can look it up online. When residents call, they'll reach a pre-screening call center and then they'll be forwarded to an intake worker to complete a full application. A rental arrears loan prior to the pandemic was $3,500, and now eligible households can receive an interest-free loan up to $4,000. Approved households can have their payments deferred for up to 12 months, and the repayments are flexible and as low as $25 a month. So we can, in theory, kick our problem down the road, give them $4,000, let them deal with the repercussions of paying that over the next 12 months. Is it a complete fix? No. But just like our mortgage deferrals, just like deferring your property taxes, we are just kicking the can down the road. And if that means that you as a landlord are able to collect rent this month or you are able to put bread on your table as a tenant, then why not? So check out this program, guys, if it applies to you. This was the article of the day. This is probably the number one article that I've seen this morning. And so I wanted to put it first. And so now you landlords can tell your tenants and you tenants know, and we're going to move right along. So I want to talk about our market. Okay. So let's get away from free programs, free government programs. We'll talk about the city in a bit, but I want to talk specifically about our marketplace. And what I liked about this is I was originally, I read this article 
it almost seems, I don't know if satire is the word, but it seems like a joke, the way that it was written. And it comes from CBC in Newfoundland and Labrador. I don't know if for some people out there, they're like, oh, well, duh, it's from, it's from a newfie. It's from a newfie. Actually, maybe, maybe that'll give some context to what is said in circle. But I also find it hilarious. So, like... I don't agree with everything being said, but I find it funny and it's poking holes. It's kind of like when you're listening to a comedian, you're like, I don't know if I should find this funny, but I kind of find it funny. So, ha ha ha. So I'm going to read you this article and there's this word in the, in the, in the title that makes me sound like an idiot. And I'm going to try hitting it. And if I fail, pretend I didn't. Feasting on the COVID-19 carrion. Here's Canada's post-pandemic economic outlook. The recovery will not be V or W shaped as widely predicted but represented by a squiggly doodle around the intersection of the X and Y of an unscaled graph. And this article is lengthy, so I jumped down to the real estate section because that's all I care about at this point. Large urban housing markets will crash as more people choose to flee cities for the forest and holes dug in the earth by hand. As glass towers relying on elevators are now worthless, we expect downtown commercial real estate to jump from its highest story with the middle class finally stripped of any purchasing power and vast oceans of dead capital being hoarded by a small cable of zillionaires, central bankers will declare inflation extinct and sacrifice a goat to mammon. And then in the very end here, just to wrap it all off, they say, given the levels of household debt and the number of Canadians who are a paycheck or two from insolvency, Canadian banks face widespread default. This was addressed with a preemptive bank bailout program, CERB. The banking sector will make gains from the extension of loan terms granted without the stoppage of interest accrual. In the short, medium, and long term, the banks are positioned to feast from the COVID-19 carry-in and, and profit enormously from the pandemic. Suckers will now be born every 20 seconds. <laughs> okay, relax, Karen. Calm down. I don't know if I can say that. Can I say that? Well, I did. Too late. So so what I thought is, okay, Here, here's... It sounds just like a comment that I would get on Reddit. It actually does. So I'm like, all right, what a better time to list some of the comments. Like I just before I was actually going to mention before that I got a comment just yesterday from YYZ Realty. So I'm assuming that's a, I mean, that's a Toronto real estate something. And they said, stop spreading the fake news, Bradley. And I'm sitting over here like, which news did I say? That's fake guys. What did I say? Was it something I said? Uh <sighs> I'm just reading the news and I'm telling my side, if my perspective is fake, okay, then I got a fake, I got a, I'm a fake person. If the news I'm reading is fake, which articles are fake? I want to know. I'll start, I'll stop mentioning specific articles or I'll just say they're fake before I say them. But here we got some good comments, not just kind of Hail Marys. So for example, T.22 on YouTube said a few days back, the person who bought a modest three bedroom bungalow in a working class, middle-class neighborhood for around 450, I feel for. For anyone that paid over $650,000 for houses that care, carry for more than equivalent in rent, I feel no sympathy for. I saw, so essentially if you're, if you're cash negative, then he, didn't, he doesn't agree with you. I saw a house on the main road of Kipling, north of Rexdale, with industrial commercial on the other side, go for $130,000 over asking. The asking was $700,000, which was too high already, but it sold for $830,000. With taxes and closing costs, you're talking $860,000 for a three-bedroom bungalow in... Rexdale. Who the, I get the impression from what he's saying here is who the hell wants to live in Rexdale? <laughs> That's kind of what I hear in that. But I mean, here's the thing. 
for someone who's young and wants to buy a property in Rexdale and the properties are going for seven hundred thousand, you can't get mad at them for wanting to own a house just because the value is there. But that's fine. I get I get the affordability, especially if you're doing it as an investor. It's fine. I'll let you have your point there. T dot T O real estate ninety said you can find different opinions showing either a jump back or a collapse. People need to stop looking at these predictions. They're all crazy. If you want a sense of the housing market, Treb stats are the only real factual figures you can look at. I mean, that's kind of true, right? Like that, and we've said that, like the stats is ultimately the holy grail of what's going on in our market. But the problem is in this marketplace, things are moving daily, at a minimum weekly. And unfortunately, those stats come out on a monthly basis. And so I think people are going to be surprised when the stats come out this month. I honestly, honestly do. And I'm going to share with you some of the experience I'm having with clients at the tail end of these comments. Green Lemon 23, sounds like a car guy. It says it's going to be similar to 2009, a slight blip that will recover. Sweet and to the point. Shawarma Law says, I feel like there will be price drops, but anyone thinking that this will lead to, quote, affordable territory is wrong. The overall trajectory of the GTA until 2040 is very high population and talent growth, creating an unaffordable megacity. I mean, I think that's true. And I think that that's a very commonly held perspective is when we look at the long term real estate wins, our averaging is about 6% growth over the last 50 years. And between now and 2040, which is 20 years from now, we anticipate it to be the same. So if you are trying to time the market, well, good luck. Bunny Hop, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's actually their name said. So for $1.5 million house and we average drop of 13%, that's 195,000. Over 25 year amortization, that's approximately $930 a month savings. Not bad, but who can afford a $1.305 million house? So the market, even with a drop is still for the rich. This is true. And this is why our city is going to start to turn into a rental city, much like pretty much every other major global international arena city. We're talking London, New York, you know, I don't know if you can count China. Let's not count China. I don't think anyone wants to talk about China these days or everyone wants to talk about China. Just let's not talk about them right now because I don't want to in that debate right now. I haven't researched it enough and I'm going to look like an idiot. There's some problems going on in China. But let me tell you what's going on here in Toronto, because that I do know. Last night, I submitted an offer for some clients. This was our second bidding where we've gone into. We were victorious. We won the bidding war, but it came at a price. We had to go $150,000 over asking, much like these comments that we're hearing. So you think things are calm now. In certain segments of the market here in Toronto, it looks very similar to how it's looked a few months back. The only difference is there is decreases in price. And so there are buying opportunities still, which is why people are going in a bit of a frenzy. And yet at the same time, because the message hasn't come out that things are picking up, I'm finding I'm even presenting offers to people that are realtors that are surprised by the amount of offers coming in. They don't even know what kind of train is about to hit their client when they're posting their properties online. So if there's realtors that are getting blindsided here, just wait until you see what some of these stats look like in the new month. And I think that will be what kind of levels the playing field as, as it were. And the stats come out and we've got real information that is shared across the board. In the meantime, it's segment by segment because you could make an argument that condos are getting spanked. So maybe in fact, what we're seeing is an inverse of 2017. Remember that time when the low rises stopped growing? In fact, they went down, but all of a sudden the condos went through the roof as everyone's kind of demand changed and prices and affordability became the primary concern. Well, maybe what we're gonna see this month is going to be the exact opposite of that, where we see the low rise stuff picking up, people moving back out, and the 
the demand for that type of inventory increasing at the cost of these condos that have just seen incredible growth in the last few years. Anyways, these are some thoughts relating to the market. These are the things that I'm seeing. Did my client overpay for their house? No, they did not. I went 150,000 over asking, but guess what? We just beat the other guys. <laughs> so sit in the judgment seat all you will, but, but whatever the appraisal comes back on, we'll see because appraisers, I mean, I got, I got mixed words for appraisers, but the reality is, is these are what they're going to go for. So between now and July, when this property closes, I guarantee you we're going to have, first of all, I was actually having a conversation with my client yesterday and they're like, Oh, um, what does an overpayment look like? Cause when you're getting in a bidding war, that's always the question is like, when, what is my limit and when did I overpay? And the irony of the question is, is whatever the person paid, the highest bidder paid, that is the value. Unfortunately. So if you don't take this property, this is, I mean, I don't think this factored into this decision, but this is, this is a truth of the way real estate works. It's so interesting. You can have 10 properties bid up on this one property and the highest price, whatever that is, you got nine people lost, but the person who paid the price has now set a benchmark price for the neighborhood. So when the next door neighbor pops up, guess what the next nine people are going to be paying or like what some of our friends are saying, oh, well, that's too expensive. So therefore you're an idiot for having purchased that property. No, not necessarily. So it's a very interesting dilemma that people are in. And I'm not saying that you're getting bidding wars everywhere, but you are certainly getting bidding wars. So if you think that people aren't pricing them for multiple offers, you're sadly mistaken. And you, I don't think you're living under a rock, but if in a month and a half from now, you still haven't seen it and it continues to be the case, then at that point, I guess we could say you've been living under a rock. <sighs> All right. There was a rant. Sorry, guys. Got hit by one of those Bradley rants again. I apologize. Sometimes I can talk too fast. I've tried in the past to slow it down and failed miserably. All right. So we're going to go to our last topic here. I want to talk about how the city of Toronto is responding to housing here in Toronto. Right. So we've got we've got a lot of things going on right now. Some of the news that we're seeing, one of the big ones, we mentioned it the other day, I think, in our podcast is Toronto actually give a hotspot map of unequal tolls in Ontario. But then it says that you get to start collecting income and race data. It's like, I don't know what the thought is of that, but I guess they're just to be able to say there's discrimination in there. I don't know. But the, the reality is, is they have published the where there is hotspots uh, across the city. So if you want to go check out what your neighborhood looks like, if it's glowing like a Christmas tree or if you're pretty safe, in isolation or can walk the streets peacefully you can check that out and also recently just yesterday tory calls on employees of major companies to work from home until september so their anticipation so there's several reasons for this so john tory is calling on companies to keep their employees working from home until at least september as the city economy slowly reopens so maybe this trend of looking for a backyard looking for three bedrooms a place you can work maybe get a little home office it's so cute and i get natural sunlight in the morning I don't have to listen to my boss sweating in the other room as he talks on the phone to his clients, right? So maybe this is going to impact the the progression of where people want to be. Tory says as many as 24 major downtown employers and post-secondary institutions have agreed to phase in return of employees and students that and staggered start times where possible. Quote, this is a good start, but we are now, as of today, calling on other corporations and organizations to make this commitment as well. We need all hands on deck in this effort to keep our city moving and working through the restart and recovery period. And one of the good reasons and good points they had here 
that I understand why this call is being made. I think it's going to come at a cost of businesses downtown. This is going to be the trade-off, but it will keep pressure off the TTC and the go transit as the number of people who use public transit to return to work increases. I was driving downtown, I take highways to get there. And on my drive, there was a lot of cars yesterday, like a lot of cars. And I was driving around like 3.30, 4 o'clock. So the roads are already getting busier and I would assume the same, I don't take public transit, but I would assume the same is the case there. And so if we can kind of reduce that because we know that based on this anticipation of expenses being cut, the TTC is gonna be a big one. And so if we all of a sudden in the next month or so have an influx, it's gonna become nearly impossible and it's gonna be really bad. So why not try and keep people at home? It's just, a, it's a, I think it's a smart move. It's gonna come at a price, absolutely. But it's, a, it's an interesting decision that's been made. And then another decision that was made by city council, this article comes from Toronto Stories, greenlights six new sites for affordable housing developments. Maybe you've seen this article. The city has approved six city-owned sites that will become the home to future affordable housing developments. And so what they're doing is they're expediting the second phase of housing now. This is the name of the program. During their city council's virtual meeting on Thursday, the second such virtual meeting during COVID pandemic. So this second phase includes six new sites, which has 1,455, between 1,450, let's say, to 1,710 new residential units, including 1,060 to 1,240 purpose-built rentals. So a good chunk of those are rentals, of which 530 to 620 will be affordable rental units. So you'll have that kind of chunk. So designated to help on the affordability side, of course, they're, they're pushing forward on the second phase. So it's not a new decision, it's expedited. They're speeding up the process. This is all part of the housing TO plan of 2020-2030 action plan, which actually called for the creation of 10,000 affordable homes on city-owned lands. So they're just speeding this up and they've approved now 47% of that target, of that 10-year target with this decision. So we are compacting 10 years, well, I guess five years, if you split it in roughly half, down to within the first year, within 2020, in this decision. So things are moving relatively quickly. They're located near transit and commercial and high employment areas and will provide opportunities to develop complete communities. And you can check out the areas online if you want to see where they are, if they're close to your house. But here's the thing. Here's my thinking on this. First of all, good on the city. Good job. We need this. Do we have the spending in place? Probably not, right? Like we probably can't afford it, but we're probably going to pass this off to another government anyways. So good on them for making the decision to do this. But here's my question to you guys. Why would the city rush to create in a market where it's so strong, like relative for renters, why would the city then pour so much money into wanting to create purpose-built rentals and affordable housing? If in fact prices have come down and will continue to come down, why is it so urgent for them to risk the lives of developers and builders and push our plans forward to build this housing? I, can we maybe ask the question, is it possible, in the, is it in the realm of possibility that maybe the city is looking at a crisis in supply? Even though right now it might be a perception that there is no crisis of supply, perhaps the crisis of supply that we experienced before is anticipated once again in the coming years by the city of Toronto. That's your call, that's your decision and make your investments accordingly. In, in the meantime, all I'm gonna be doing is taking the day off tomorrow and going and checking out the monkeys at the Toronto Zoo. Whether you agree with me or not, whether I'm spewing fake news or not, you be the judge. If you don't like me, don't listen. But all I'm doing here is trying to bring you guys the latest information on what's going on here in Toronto because the reality is, is I got to learn too. I'm doing it anyways. I'm a realtor. I'm a broker and an investor here in the city of Toronto. 
And so for me, it's important that I know this stuff. And I think there's people getting value. And I'm sure there's people who aren't, but they probably haven't made it to the end of this podcast either. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm going to leave it there, guys. I'm going to have a wonderful day tomorrow. Hopefully, it's nice and sunny outside for us. I don't actually know. I haven't checked the weather. I'm not a weather guy. I always I always walk out the door to go do showings. Like yesterday, it was storming, and I had to grab an umbrella. I got caught. Caught in the rain. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful weekend, guys. Take care and keep it real.